The Bulls have three seconds to try a shot and try to win the game. This is the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. Coming to you from the betting deck. Don't believe what I just saw. Here are your hosts. Hello, and welcome back to the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Coming at you from the leadoff spike tonight for the first time, our version of Dan Vogelbach. I am Jay Cam, the resident stat nerd here at the Notebook. Uh, with me tonight as co-host, and you know him as the teaser king, Smitty. We also have co-host Maddie, the fishing camp gourmand, and making his triumphant return from parts unknown, president of the Kyle Trask fan club, Producer extraordinaire and fellow co-host, QQ, have you been? It's been a busy time uh, between my full-time job. I took a trip to try to get Brittany Griner out of Russia. Uh, <laughs> I had to had to take the jockey uh, position for Rich Strike. So I'm glad to be back uh, and kind of slow things down. I could have a Saturday. Uh, so before we get to the details of what was and continues to be a really loaded sports schedule, we're going to talk a little college hoops tonight because we have a very special guest that we're lucky to have. Uh, he's a contributor to the Action Network, Field of 68, PicksWise, as well as a co-host of Big Bets on Campus, the College Hoops podcast. One of the three-man weed triumvirate. Welcome to the show, Jim Root. Welcome, Jim. Thank you for having me. Yeah, one of and the best of the three-man weed triumvirate. That's what I like to say, and that, especially when those guys aren't around to give any sort of rebuttal. I, I like to build myself up and, and put them down as much as I can. So I think I, I'm going to ask the question that we are all trying to get to. Um, who's going to stop Butler? Whew, man, uh, nobody, right? You know, Butler's going to roll to a national title. They got Thad in charge. They've already been to two national title games. And, and I, you know, they picked up some nice pieces in the portal. No one's stopping the Bulldogs. They're, they're, on a, they're on a barnstorming run down to Houston next season. Just put it in stone already. So yeah, it's a crazy season, obviously. It seems like it's now a 365-day uh, season for college basketball with the transfer portal and the coaching. There's been, I think, what, 56 coaching changes will occur uh, this offseason. So like, when will it actually slow down so we can figure out these teams? I'm hoping that something along the lines of the draft deadline, uh, once everybody has to withdraw and return to school, which I believe is kind of the end of May, uh, sometime around the start of June, uh, we'll have most of the portal pieces have decided their destination. Uh, the recruits are all situated. I, I know last year there were some some late shifts. I, we were doing our top 40 countdown in like August. And then that was when Imani Bates and Jalen Duran decided they want to join Memphis. And that kind of messed with some rankings. But uh, hopefully about 98% of the way there by the time we get to early June or so. Jim, with that being said, uh, I wanted to get your opinion. So, you know, with the portal, with the NIL stuff, obviously you're seeing multi-million dollar deals um, in the college football side. What what kind of deals are we seeing in, on the college basketball side? Because they're obviously not as uh, as highlighted uh, around the, you know, the, the social media and things like that. Like how much is a top NIL deal in college basketball right now that you've kind of heard about or seen? Yeah, like you said, they're not always well publicized, but some of them are hyper publicized. Like the the Nigel Pack to Miami one, I think was probably the biggest one that got out there. It was a 
$800,000 for two years. What was the deal? So very publicly, like as he committed was announced that he's getting 400 K a year that led to a whole rigmarole with Isaiah Wong, who apparently realized he wasn't getting paid as much as he thought he was relative to the market. Uh, so that was one of the bigger ones, I think, for somebody in the portal. Uh, I, I heard reports for Oscar Shibwe's return to Kentucky that uh, I heard 2 million said, I heard 3 million thrown around. Uh, I, I don't know exactly what the number is. I, I think Kyle Tucker of The Athletic quote tweeted uh, Jeff Goodman's report of 2 million and was just like, higher, trust me, it's higher. And, and you know, he didn't, he didn't give a number, but he basically was saying uh, th- this is a large number to bring the, the defending Wooden Award winner back to Kentucky. Obviously, the Bluegrass, Big Blue Nation, they have the resources there. They've got the, the love behind the basketball program. So that's the top end that I've heard. Uh, but it is, you know, I, he is, I think, the second Wooden Award winner in the past, like, 50 years to return to school. So it makes sense that he's commanding a pretty high paycheck. But I do think a lot of these guys that entered the portal were hoping for six figures, and that's kind of what they've been aiming for. Yeah, overall, who who do you think coach-wise, you know, like Jason said, a lot of uh, coaches have changed here. Who's maybe one name or maybe two that you think is really going to be a big difference maker for that program? Uh, one I love, I, I'm a big fan. I'm actually wearing a Florida shirt right now, so bias right here. Uh, oh. But I, I think Todd Golden down at the Gators is going to be a great, great addition. Uh, didn't have a ton of resources at San Francisco and still did some things at that program that haven't been done in like 30 years. I, there was the first non-BYU St. Mary's or Gonzaga at-large bid from that conference in like 25 years, almost 30 years. Um, so just kind of the stuff he was able to accomplish there, you stick him in a place with Florida where he's got some NIL resources and some uh, support behind the program, SEC money flowing through there. He's a very analytical mind. He, th- he thinks ahead in the game, uh, just kind of different ways to – gain little advantages. I know there's a lot of articles written about the way they, they use uh, analytics and, and some of the, the like fouling techniques in the bonus. Um, so I think you put all that together at a place like Florida, I think he's going to find success quickly. I know they've been a, off to a, a pretty solid start in the portal. And there's a couple other guys that are, are out in the pond for them that they're hoping to get. I, they brought in the two St. Bonaventure pillars, uh, Lofton and Oshuni were there visiting recently. So they're still working on that. Uh, I love golden. And I'm trying to think of, some of the other guys, like in the past, it's not even always about the hire. It's about who they got rid of. And sometimes it's a guy that I, I just wasn't a big fan of. Uh, I, I'll, I'll go way off the radar. And this is this is for people, you know, really looking to get into the the game by game wagering next season. But I, I think the change at Florida Gulf Coast is going to be fantastic. Uh, was not a big fan of Michael Fly before, and he is now on my alma mater staff. So I have to be careful what I say here. But um, they've got they've got Pat Chambers taken over. Uh, a guy that I thought was actually really solid in the Big Ten. He, he ended up getting kind of caught for the borderline player abuse. Nothing really ever official came out with that. But uh, schools like Portland last year, Denver last year, when you go from a guy that just couldn't win to somebody who's pretty competent, the, the change in the results can be huge, particularly uh, in the ATS market. Uh, I, I think Portland was one of the best ATS teams in the country last year. And, and that's, that's why the expectations were set so low and they bring in a guy that knows what he's doing and, and suddenly you're making money. Jim, I'm going to go back to a name you brought up. Uh, it's going to be Oscar Sheway again. Um, is there anybody, and we haven't seen it since 81 to 83 with Ralph Sampson. Is there any way he doesn't go back to back player of the year? You think? 
I think there's probably a chance uh, just because they're, you know, voter fatigue does feel like it exists more in the social media era. I know we've just had two back-to-back MVPs in the NBA where, where Giannis won it twice in a row. Jokic has now won it twice in a row. Uh, but I feel like people are always looking for that next flavor, the, the new, the new fun name. Uh, and I think we kind of know what we're getting with Shibwe. It's going to be that 19 and 15, maybe 20 and 15. And this year, the rebounding numbers were really just like, eye-popping like we hadn't seen him in a while especially at that level of college basketball uh so it was this unique holy cow what, what's going on here uh, and now that we know what we're going to get maybe heading into next year there's going to be some some other threats that come up and the the exciting guard if there's one of these freshmen that really pops off the page and uh, i think whitehead at duke is going to have a ton of shot opportunities especially right now they haven't added another wing there uh, but I, I think there will be some guys that challenge him and just without having seen, you know, early player of the year odds, I probably wouldn't touch Shibway's price because it's going to be, I, I think, uh, overinflated because he's coming off the win and uh, the books are probably going to try to protect against that. You know, I got to be honest, I did not expect to hear Pat Chambers is one of the <laughs> coaching hires that you were looking forward to as a former Penn State or as a current Penn State fan. But uh, he did actually build the program and got it kind of where it was uh, in these last couple of years. So what's the what was the hire that was kind of the weirdest hire? Uh, um, I would kind of throw out there Travis Deal going to Miami as his is as Xavier team was running through the NIT and kind of showing he may have not done the best job this year. Is that one of the guys, or is there anybody else who kind of stands out? That's a really good name, and it, it probably applies on the other side of you know when we were talking about guys that I think are well above replacement value taking over for somebody who is probably below replacement value. Like how well that team played under Jonas Hayes in the NIT, even without Scruggs. Uh, it was probably indicative of the, the problems that Steele had there. And I think Sean Miller is a great coach. So that, that's that's a definite uh, a positive swing there. Uh, so now Steele taking over. We've seen some of those guys drop down a level and, and be really solid. Like John Gross seemed above his uh, over his head at, at Illinois, but then he goes back down to Akron and he's had some success there. Uh, Travis Ford, another guy that was up in the power conference, then dropped down. Uh, I'm, I'm looking through some of the names that we're planning the three men we've podcast shameless plug here uh, to do some, some grading coaching hires on, on our episode this week. Uh, the LaSalle hire, Fran Dunphy, he's a legend, but he's really old. And it just seemed like LaSalle couldn't get anybody else to take the job. Like the reports were that Dunphy was like nudging guys towards it, trying to get them to take that job and nobody would. Uh, so I, I'm not very high on that fit. And then one other one, and I disagree with uh, my cohort, Kai McEwen, a little bit on this. I don't love the Steve Lavin hire out at San Diego. Uh, I, I think it's a great name. It pops, uh, but it feels a little bit like a retirement hire. Like, like when Mark Gottfried went out to Cal State Northridge and just kind of kicked his feet up and didn't win many games. Uh, I'm worried that Steve Lavin's not going to be in it to win it with everything that you know coaching takes at this point with the addition of the NIL stuff and re-recruiting your guys out of the portal and that kind of thing. I'm not super high on, on the trajectory of the Toreros with, with Lavin taking over there. Jim, I'm going to go to a program. You know, we've been talking about the transfer portal. Iowa State two years ago went two and 22, and then they brought a lot of guys in, and they had a pretty good season this year, finished up um, 22 and 13, got in the tournament. Is there a program right now that what you're seeing with some of the guys that maybe stayed and got some guys coming in that can really a big turnaround maybe in the upcoming season. And I'm hoping I'm going to just stop you for a second here. 
I'm a Georgetown Hoya fan. That was a tough season to watch. Could they, could they be the team? And if I, I can slip you a couple bucks under the table here and get you to say the Hoyas on the show, could it be the Hoyas this year? Or what team do you think could really have a big turnaround? I, I like Georgetown's, the, the, what they did with their talent level, like getting Brandon Murray, getting a cook, a cook, the, the, especially a cooks should really help their defense, which was a massive problem. I think the difference between them and Iowa State is probably the, the lack of a coaching change. Um, just kind of getting a whole new direction for the Cyclones. I, I don't necessarily think Steve Prohm is a bad coach, but it just wasn't working. I think they needed the change of scenery. And I kind of feel like it's going to take that eventually for Georgetown. I know they changed over the staff a lot and maybe that behind the scenes stuff will help, but Ewing's just kind of a guy that always feels, it makes me feel a little, a little cold. I, I'm not, I'm not as amped watching these teams, but uh, I, I think we, you mentioned Butler uh, at the start of this, I think Butler's a team that could really uh, go on a big upswing. I like what they did uh, with, with their coach, brought in Manny Bates, uh, brought in uh, Ali Ali from Akron, a guy with some tournament experience, almost knocked off UCLA in the first round. And I kind of have always liked the young talent they've had there. Like, I think Chuck Harris is a nice player, Jaden Taylor, Miles Tate in the backcourt. They've got some guys that can play. Uh, they've just had a lot of injuries over the last couple of years too. So you, you add in the new coach, better health, some nice transfer pieces, and maybe they can take a bump. And, and you know, Todd, you almost, you, you went a little biased. I'm going to do it too. I'm going to do it too. <laughs> hey, go for it. <laughs> I'm going to say my alma mater, the Missouri Tigers could, could take a big uh, upswing and really like the model for what I hope they can do is exactly what you mentioned. Iowa state brought in some guys that, you know, maybe looking back we, we should have seen it better, but I know we, we at the weave kind of called Iowa state an Island of misfit toys last year. We're like, Oh, it's just, some guys that seem like castoffs, but then Brockington comes in as a star. Kalsher gives them a lot. They got a bunch from uh, the freshman point guard, Tyrese Hunter. And I'm hoping that's what Mizzou can get out of Nick Honor, a guy that started in the ACC at Clemson. He's got some experience there. Kobe Brown, their best player, stuck around. They got the two best junior college players, which, you know, that maybe that's not as high a praise as I want it to be. But uh, both Diara and Sean East put up like kind of video game numbers last year in their, in their junior college stop. So I'm hoping that what they've pieced together is enough to turn it around and maybe make a push towards the tournament. I'm not fully dreaming of the sweet 16, like the Cyclones got, but I'm hoping Missouri ends up being a, a decent answer to that question. You can stick to the East coast and uh, speaking of coaches, he's new, but he's not. So like, What's your thoughts on UNC and Hugh Davis coming into next year? Obviously, what they did was pretty incredible, kind of middle of the road team, you know, for most of the season. And then they just turned it on like a light switch uh, all the way to the national championship game. Uh, do you expect them to kind of to stay uh, not on top, but, you know, up there as the top tier? Do you kind of expect them to maybe regress a little bit uh, with them losing guys like Brady Manick and a couple others? I think overall, I expect them to stay up top. I, I preseason last year we had them I think 14th so I thought entering the season like hey the talent level is really high we just didn't know what we were going to get out of Davis and, and figuring that out and there maybe were some growing pains with the style because they they started to emphasize the three ball a lot more than they did under Roy Williams uh, they were fairly young uh, with Caleb Love with Davis I mean obviously everybody's coming back so they, they weren't really senior heavy other than Manic. Uh, so I kind of buy the improvement that they had over the end of the year. I don't necessarily think they're going to be back in the national title game, but certainly a, a top 10 team for me entering the season. If there's discussions and hopes that they could get 
Matthew Meyer from Baylor as the kind of Brady Manic replacement. I know he's in the draft right now, but he's debating uh, using that fifth year and he's in the portal just in case he does come back. So if you plug him in there to go with, with Baycott and the, the backcourt trio that they bring back, I think they're every bit of a top five team. And with the talent level, with what, what they did figure out defensively, I mean, early on, they were just such a sieve. Like I'm, they gave up almost a hundred points to Brown early in the season. It was like, all right, maybe, maybe this team's just not very serious about the defensive end, but they figured it out enough and, and were really good down the stretch. So I buy, I buy UNC. I know there's the big comparison to UCLA from the previous year with the, the final four run, but I, I think this UNC team's a little more legitimate uh, than that UN, UCLA team was. And Hey, look, they finished oh, like 11th and Ken Palm made the sweet 16. We're a Caleb love shot away from maybe making the final four uh, themselves. So yeah, I, I, I buy UNC quite a bit actually. Jim, you've given me great lead-ins here. Uh, so I'm going to, I did a d- bigger dig into one team and one team that I like on my futures radar is Oregon. And I mean, they have a great head coach in Dana Altman. They finished 20 and 15 this year. They have the 19th ranked incoming class. A lot of people haven't potentially looked forward. Next year's class, they have three really superstars, uh, Kwame Evans, Mookie Cook, and Jackson Shellstead. Do you think that's a program, even though it's East Coast bias, that could potentially shake some, uh, make some waves going forward? Yeah, I, I love Altman. I love Oregon. I don't know why it didn't come together this year. Um, I saw them up close and personal at the Maui Invitational in Vegas, and they're just – it never really meshed. Uh, I know they had that uh, – they went to the, the L.A. schools, and they won at UCLA, they won at USC, and it seemed like, okay, this is kind of what we'd expected from Altman. He's brought in a bunch of disparate pieces, but now they're meshing. Never really worked, but that's usually not something that lasts under Altman, uh, the fact that they've got – some really big time recruits coming in. I know a lot of people, I, I haven't scouted the, uh, the incoming freshman class as well as, uh, as I'd like to, that'll happen probably closer to the season, but people that I trust on Twitter are very high on Kel where the big time shot blocking center that they have coming in. I guess he's got a little more of a skill level than a lot of those bigs usually do. Uh, and yeah, they, you know, they've added a couple decent pieces in the portal and Altman just usually has that kind of magic touch. Uh, every once in a while, there's a team that doesn't work out. I think back to the team with uh, Troy Brown, the freshman, and Elijah Brown had grad transferred in there, and they never really worked. But, you know, a season or two after they had rallied back up and were an elite team once again, I kind of think that's what will happen. Yeah, I, I, I love the Ducks long term. There was a, a small whisper this offseason that Dana Altman wanted to come back to the Midwest and was maybe in the Mizzou discussion, and I was all for it because I, I would have loved to see it. I think he's a terrific coach, but – He'll continue to be just fine out there with all the, the Nike money that they get. I would imagine they should do well in the NIL world uh, with that uh, perk. So, yeah, I, I'm definitely high on Oregon both next year and, and long term. So we talked about North Carolina. So what about the school eight miles up the road? Uh, how much pressure is going to be on Shire from the get-go? Uh, he's kind of put together. It's They're still kind of working with the freshmen again. They kind of – you know, the same thing that they've done, is this going to work or like, is he making more pressure on himself by not having that kind of veteran leadership? Yeah, potentially. And I know they've gotten their names involved a little with some of the veteran guards. I think they were in Shireman's final five, the South Dakota state transfer. Um, they were, I think they're in AJ Green's group, the, the Northern Iowa transfer. So he's at least poking around with some of these guys that could come in and, and make an impact, but it's tough. It's tough to sell 
to a high level transfer like that, because the freshmen are going to come in and take so many shots. And I mentioned Derek Whitehead, I mentioned his name earlier. I think he's going to be top five pick for them. Derek Lively is a really highly rated recruit. I mean, the class is as loaded as it gets. And, and it's nice to have the junior point guard. Jeremy Roach is probably going to be the, you know, the starter gives them a little stability at that spot. And I don't expect him back, but Trevor Keels is keeping the door open at this point, at least. And he's really good friends with Roach. They played, I think, AAU together in the DMV area. So there's always that temptation to run it back with your buddy at a, at a school like Duke. But they've kind of got the same thing that North Carolina did last year is we can look at the talent. We can be really impressed by the roster, but there might be some growing pains if he tries to shift a little bit away from the way Coach K played uh, as as Davis did away from Roy Williams. So I, I'm high on them. I, I really love the talent and I, I, I like to make kind of the comparison to Arkansas because both of them have a bunch of highly rated recruits coming in, but Dukes are a little better. They both have one veteran guard coming back, Devo Davis, Jeremy Roach. I mean, maybe Jalen Williams returns for Arkansas. That would be a big needle mover and probably bump them above Duke. But uh, the one difference is Musselman's made some runs to the Elite Eight. We've seen what he's capable of, and we're just not quite sure yet with Shire. So I'm I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, I think. But uh, the the apples from the Coach K coaching tree haven't exactly been the ripest uh, at, at other stops. So curious to see if that works out or not. Uh, I'll be keeping a close eye on that early on. Tim, how shocked were you with Jay Wright retiring from Villanova? Because when I read that, it was kind of like, wow, like I didn't see that coming. I didn't hear anything. It was very, were you surprised with that? Yeah, jaw hit the floor. You know, I I basically had to pick my jaw up and and try to figure out, make some sense of what was going on there, especially because, you know, we had seen him at the Final Four. I, I had no inkling that he was going to be done. I know the clip surfaced later about him referencing seeing Dick Weiss in the press conference for the last time. And I think everybody's just like, well, Dick Weiss is old. He's probably retiring. Jay Wright must know. Uh, we never thought it was going to be right. That was, that was hanging it up. Uh, but man, I, that that's, it's just bizarre because some of the other coaches, you know, your Larry Nagas, Leonard Hamilton's Jim Beheim, coach K Roy Williams, they coached into their seventies and some of them still, you know, seems like they're not going to stop. Uh, so seeing Wright hang it up when he did, when the program, it's not, you know, easy to reload there, but they have maybe the strongest culture in the, in the sport in terms of guys coming in, buying in, being willing to, to sit a little bit and grow. Uh, they very rarely bring in transfers. They, they seem to really handpick the guys that they bring in. So it, it seemed like he had it rolling and, and was relatively comfortable there. Uh, but you know, he's gone. The, the Big East is kind of turned upside down because always you just slot Villanova on top and DePaul at the bottom and you figure out two through ten. Uh, now we got to think about number one going forward. So should I ask this, Jason, since I'm a Celtics fan? Absolutely. All right. So we can pick up last night. Bring it. Uh, now, well, I'm going to be nice here because you're doing. You shouldn't be. Be, be well, mean to me. It's fine. Hey, you're coming on. <laughs> been talking. You've been really nice. So I'm going to be nicer. What do you think about the series? I, I mean, following your Twitter last night, you know, I could tell we were, we could all tell you were a Bucks, uh, a Bucks guy. I'm a Boston Celtics fan. So great series so far. What's your overall thought on that? Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in Milwaukee. So I, I come by it honestly. I all the way back to the. Glenn Robinson, Ray Allen teams in the early 2000s. Um, I, I'm bummed that Middleton is not a part of it. I think that would have been kind of the 
the nudge that would would get the Bucks over the hump. And, and you know, he's had some really big playoff games against Boston in the past, so it's it's a uh, it's tough to not have him around. But I, the fourth quarter last night was eye opening for me. Like the Bucks, it kind of played decently well for the first three. They had a seven point lead, and then Boston hit a gear that Milwaukee could not match. Like. They, they were picking on the right matchups. Tatum was destroying the smaller defenders, Hill, Grayson Allen, whoever they threw at him. Uh, Al Horford was hitting every open shot. And, and I mean, maybe that's, I'm, I'm air quoting here, the best Boston can play, but Jalen Brown wasn't on the court for a big part of that run. So I'm concerned to say the least. Uh, I know the line is five and a half for, for Wednesday night back in Boston and if I had to bet it, I'd probably be on the Celtics. I just, I think they kind of unearthed the gear and figured something out with the the Milwaukee defense. I mean, they went 16 for 19 in the fourth quarter. Smart was playing bully ball. Like I was really impressed with what I saw from Boston. There's a Celtics fan three rows in front of me that was kind of, you know, chirping to the crowd around him. And I was like, I have nothing to say back. He, he, he has earned his, his trash talking rights at this point. Uh, so I'm, I'm concerned. I hope the Bucks get game six and we can at least see, you know, one of the, the big game sevens back in Boston, but uh, I would not handicap it in the Bucks favor at this point. It's a Jim, surprise gotta... to see a Boston fan chirping a crowd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Jim, I got a quick fun question for you. It's just totally off the wall. Who was a better Missouri player? Keon dueling or Anthony Peeler? Ooh, I'm going to go dueling. Peeler was a little before my time because I, I grew up Wisconsin cheering for the Badgers and stuff. And the Mizzou love came once I, I went to college. But I remember like the Ricky Paulding teams, uh, that, that was a fun squad. Uh, I would go dueling just because I remember watching him a little more. Uh, but man, Peeler, like even into the NBA, he was a decent shooting guard on those Kevin Garnett teams, part of the always not good enough supporting cast for Kevin Garnett. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give the the slight nod to, to Mr. Dueling. Awesome. Well, Jim, we know you need to run. Thank you for the time. This has been great. Really appreciate uh, giving us the time and uh, thank you for everything. Is there anything you want to plug? Obviously that we have the three man we podcast and you mentioned earlier, that you're going to be covering some things. So please go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's probably the biggest thing right now. Uh, we're doing a little series on the field of 68 called off the carousel where we're interviewing all the new coaches. Uh, and I'm only a part of a couple of those. I was able to interview Mizzou's Dennis Gates, South Dakota's Eric Peterson. So those will be out a little bit, but just check out that, that series on the field of 68 YouTube channel. Uh, and I'll throw a little prediction. We'll have a little fun here. I'm saying next year, final four, championship game in Houston. It's going to be a Texas showdown between Houston and Baylor. I'm just, I'm already on that train. I've got some big future positions on both teams. Uh, I like both rosters odd. I love both coaches. Uh, I think both those two teams can, can make a big run and, and be there for a little Lone Star showdown. That's, that's my big called shot to end it here. Very nice. All right. Well, thank you for the time. Yep. Thank you for having me guys. Appreciate it. Good night. Thank you very much. Thanks Jim. I wrote, that, I wrote that down already in the notebook, boys. That <laughs> Jump on that. Jump on that. Make some money. You want to know how kind of ironic that is? I had written down long shots, final four for next year. I had Baylor, Texas, and then I actually had a third Texas team. I had TCU in there with some wow. transfer. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Jamie yeah, Dixon loves him. Drop that, but now get to the final four. I'm going to have to put Houston on my list now.
I like how you already have that. Like, man, you're diving, Matt. Already had that out. Man, that that Oregon program, if they stay and if Altman stays, that recruiting class next year is freaking dynamite. Well, that was yeah, awesome, yeah. man. I mean, we love our college basketball guys. We get on are just fantastic. And that's, I'll tell you what, my college basketball is better than my baseball right now. So, baseball, do it. Let's dive into baseball because we got to Q. Now, let's let no, you know what, Jason, bring up, let's go back to Q, man, because Q popped on here tonight. I didn't even remember what he looked like. So let's let's, see what, let's let's do a little interview with Q man. See what's been going on with Q. Let's do like a two minute thing real quick with Q. Jason, take it over, man. You're the host tonight, not me. <laughs> so we said parts unknown. We, we we could not figure out where Q was. We there was rumors about that he part of, might be part of the legal team with Johnny Depp since that trial was close by. Um, <laughs> there was rumors of possibly in Spain um, getting uh, ear holed by a bull. We thought that might have been you in that one video that kind of went viral. Um, and, uh, we thought you might be recovering from those injuries. So what, what really have you been doing? Well, I, well, as for the Johnny Depp thing, I can't comment. It's an ongoing case, uh, but it is in the, uh, we're around. Uh, and then once we're able to discuss it, I'll, I'll certainly speak with you guys more on that. Um, like I said, you know, the Brittany Griner thing, I was trying to take care of that. You know, it's kind of a hostile territory right now. Uh, she just got deemed as, like an illegal detainee uh so they sent me over there to try to negotiate um it's been busy you know the kentucky derby i was you know coming out of churchill downs i was just praying to god that uh we were able to race because we were headed to new york uh for the for the next race next weekend and they called and they needed a jockey and i'm only you know five foot eight 170 so i figured i'd saddle up uh, no, on the real, I was, you know, for, for those that don't listen, I'm, you know, I'm back, uh, back full time now studying for a promotion opportunity at work. Um, it, it's a pretty rigorous, uh, test and, and things like that. So, you know, had to, had to set aside the sports gambling and the sports knowledge to, to try to make that. So we'll see, you know, I'll, I'll keep you guys posted on that, but I'm back. I'm ready. I got it. I already booked my flights to college baseball world series uh, so I'm back full time. I mean, the boots are on the ground and we're running. Nice. So speaking of the Derby, um, since you were the jockey, we won't ask you why you fell so far back before making that run. It, was that one of the most incredible things you've ever seen? Um, you know, doing a little more research, found out this horse actually has some pedigree to it, which is kind of surprising because I think it was actually the 24th horse at one point in the field kind of kept working its way up through uh, people scratching and finally got in on Friday. But I mean, you know, I talked to my brother who's a big horse racing guy and he had someone at his work who actually had that. And he was actually at uh, Churchill Downs and said that literally no one was going to the window after the race because nobody had rich strike at all. It, that has to be one of the craziest things. You know, I saw the text cause I was actually at the penguin game. People just said it was like eerily quiet because everybody was just like, what happened? So we watched the race on a phone right before uh, the first puck drop for the Penguins game. And we were kind of holding the phone away from us. And we could not figure out who won. We actually thought it was the two horse at first because we couldn't see like the other number. So just a crazy, I mean, there was just a lot of crazy stuff happening sports all over. You had the upset in boxing. Um, 
it, the horse race. There was just things going on everywhere. It's just been it's just just too much to watch right now. You have the NBA, you have the NHL, you have all these uh, other sports on the weekend. You have baseball there. That was a little easy to ignore the Pirates, but um, so maybe how were your bets this weekend? Not well, not in the horse racing. wasn't good. <laughs> you know, and you know the thing is, and I said this on Twitter. I watched Let It Ride for the first time. And if you have not, as an audience, have ever seen that movie, watch that movie. That's fantastic. That's a fantastic 1989 Richard Dreyfus, Just a fantastic movie. Dr. Brent got me on it. Our good buddy Tim on Twitter was saying he was watching it. So I recorded it. I saw it was on. I recorded it at 6, came on at 6 a.m. And I got up around 8 and I watched it. But all he does is he takes these, he got these tips and these long shots. And I looked at old man in the garage and I'm like, that was the sign. Why didn't I put two bucks on that horse? So I'm a fool. No, not good. Um, I won't take too much time because there's nothing really to talk about. I, I had a couple win bets and then I had a couple, um, I think maybe to place on one. I think um, the one Matt like uh, charge it and um it just, yeah, that a shocking horse. And I mean, great story. I hope everything, you know, plays out well. And cause you've heard so many, you know, rumors about horses anymore and hopefully everything comes back good and it's clean and uh, it's a great story. And what a long shot, 80 to one. So good job for the jockey, the trainer and the horse. Just to end on that, I was just going to say, obviously like Smitty said, you know, we all, we hope that it was a fair race and everything like that. Uh, when I texted you guys and said, like, has this ever happened before? I mean, the la- the worst odds horse, you know, to wins. And if you watch the aerial, like, it's just absolutely mind-blowing how he was able to just – it looked like he just turned on, like, nitrous oxide. It just took off like a rocket. I mean, I've never personally seen a horse just turn it on like that out of nowhere from that far back. Um, and then he was, like, bobbing and weaving between other horses, which is pretty unheard of. Um do you think, and, and obviously we know that horse racing is, is one of the most corrupt sports uh, widely known. Do you think that they would put honesty on the front lines and have two back-to-back years? Because last year, Bob Baffert, the whole thing, they, they stripped the 2021 champion. Do you think that they would have a clear enough conscience to say, look, if he does pop positive for something, this is the second year in a row, or do you think they just kind of sweep it under a rug to kind of save, save face for the sport? Yeah, I, I do think that they will be kind of, they're going to want to really confirm test for that reason. Um, you know, people love the underdog story. I, like I said, there was a buzz at the Penguin game that an 81 shot hit because that's what everybody dreams of hitting, right? You, you want to put that $2 wager and walk away with 160 bucks. Um, but yeah, I mean, the one thing I was surprised, this horse has some pedigree. I know it wasn't out there. Um, that's why I'm kind of interested to see where the Preakness ends up, if they do run the horse in the Preakness, but I think they are going to. Um, this, you know, it's got Curlin blood in it. That that horse should get stronger as the year goes on. Curlin was much better as an old three-year-old as he was a young three-year-old. You know, people might be writing this horse off a little. Much. I was shocked when he had those bloodlines. I was expecting, you know, some trotter or <laughs> something else. And when I saw that this is basically just a horse that kind of just never developed and, you know, someone took a, a good flyer on, um, who knows? Who knows what price we'll get for the Preakness? It could be a bit of a surprise. He might be in it for longer than we think. Maddie, what do you got? So a couple tidbits to follow up on all this good stuff. Um, they they are coming out with the odds already. They think he's going to go off at about four to one, five to one, and it's only because all the favorites they think epicenter, 
Zondo, Zandon, whatever it is, are all going to pull out. And it's just going to be these middle tier horses. So they think he could go off as the potential favorite. Number two, I don't know if this is true. I, I could have swore I read that he was bought for $30,000. That's true. That's true. amazing. That, that return on investment just got out of the woods. Uh, I mean, astronomically good. And then the last thing I heard a real cool story uh, told by, I believe, Thomas Gable on VEASAN this weekend. So the action I found out, I, I think I tweeted out, was $179 million bet on the Derby. 500 roughly 500 grand only bet on this horse well a woman went up to the gate or the uh window in atlantic city i believe at the borgata and thomas gable said he happened to be sitting behind one of the the bed takers and this woman came up and she goes i want the three i want a box trifecta three ten twenty two and the woman taking the bet said man 22 is scratch you can go with the 21 and she's like ah screw it okay and that ticket, <laughs> and that ticket paid out fourteen thousand eight hundred dollars or something like that, roughly. And it was funny because Thomas Gable contacted a Philly newspaper writer who did a story kind of like that. So there was a big story going about. But it was just fun to hear that this woman didn't even realize what she's betting on. The lady behind the counter just tells her, "Hey, well, there's a twenty-one horse," and lo and behold, twenty-one comes through. Unbelievable! That's living right right there. I love let it. it ride. Let it ride, Richard Dreyfus. Boys, before we get into a little MLB talk, let's talk a little college baseball uh, before I have to jump off here. What do you think? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> You're the specialist. Yeah, so it's it's kind of winding down. It's kind of get into the uh, into the nitty gritty, and uh, this is where college baseball becomes fun um for the the common fan because now you're starting to get into tournament mode conference tournament and then the, t- the main tournament um but this year i think it's gonna be a little different like i really haven't seen uh in the years that i've kind of consciously gambled on it and picked it up like the top 25 is beating each other up like it's a a, a murders you know party and outside of the top three teams I really don't know. I mean, Tennessee is one, Oregon State's two, Oklahoma State's three. Like, I, I really don't know. There's such a big gap. Who could actually compete with them? Now, obviously, anything's happens. You know, you got, like, your Wichita State, your Rice, your Coastal Carolinas deep in the tournament. But I think this year, like, the talent level and the performance of play is so far. I actually think that, you know, maybe the, the number one national seed has a good shot to win it. Um, and typically the number one national seed is kind of that jinx, uh, for that. And, uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, but I I think what you're going to see a lot of right now is a lot of change, uh, for the top 25 from teams that aren't hosting to potentially hosting, you know, I'll throw my team out. For example, Florida was a number three seed headed into this past Friday. And now, you know, if they handle their last two series, they could end up being a host. Uh, same thing with Maryland. Uh, you know, Southern Miss just lost to ODU and they were eight national seed. Uh, and now they may slip out of the top 16. So I think you're going to see baseball kind of uh, even out over the past or the next two weeks. Uh, but teams to look for, obviously, Tennessee, uh, they have probably the best offense, Jordan Bag, Trey Lipscomb, a couple others. And they have the best three pitchers with uh, Burns, Beam and Tidwell. Tidwell had a preseason injury, but he was going to be the pitcher of the year. Uh, preseason, it looks like it's going to go to Connor Herpy from Oregon State. I mean, the kid's just dominant. Uh, seems like he's kind of running away with that one. Uh, but look, 
I, I'm going to give you guys a dark horse now because I want it on the record. And I know it's a homer pick, but I think UVA could go really deep in this tournament. I, I think they have the bench players. They pretty much brought back um, all of their offensive talent from last year that was there. And their pitching has just gotten even better uh, over the course of the year. I mean, Nate Savino is their number one. Um, and I don't even think he's their best pitcher. I mean, Brian Gursky's pitching really well. And then you have Brandon Neek, who I think is one of the better closers and most underrated closers in the game. So that's kind of my long shot. Uh, obviously, it's a homer pick. Um, and then, you know, hopefully Florida can make a run. I, the problem they're going to take is uh, their bullpen is atrocious. I think uh, Todd Smith, Kaminsky, and Matt Nails, the, the middle relievers and the closer. So uh, that tells you about the season. But are there any teams in particular? Because that was just kind of a roundabout that you guys are looking at. I I personally have not really dope since you've been off. I've kind of like, yeah, I got to get back into it because, yeah, we're getting close. I mean, we'll be hitting regionals here or like the yeah. conference tournaments and then the regionals and super regionals. And that's to me, that's when it's really fun to kind of gamble college uh, sure. baseball and everything like that. So I'll start diving back into it. You said Oregon State's number two. Oregon State's number two, and uh, I don't that know, man. They, they have the pitching. Their offense is hit or miss, and that kind of goes with Oklahoma State, too. Like, they're very pitching heavy, uh, whereas Tennessee just has the full package. I mean, Tennessee will, will run you out. Yeah, I've watched some of Tennessee. Tennessee's impressive. Yeah. I think on, on one of the long – right when the season started, I think, you know, you threw out some teams. I think Jason, Matt did. And I said one of my teams, I said keep an eye – you know, just reading because, again, I – wasn't an expert on this. I said about Oregon State, so that's good. Good that they didn't make me sound like a fool. Q, I've actually paid attention, and here's the only reason why. I wanted to bet uh, preseason, but my books wouldn't offer it. And I actually dropped three teams of all teams. I dropped Oklahoma State, Virginia, yep. and Tennessee. And if we go back and watch the yeah. show, now, yep. now yep. I'm really kicking myself. But I, I, we all see how good Tennessee is, and they're both – they're number one in pitching, and the crazy thing is they're head and shoulders so far above everybody pitching. I don't know if the field can catch up. I don't know if there is a rich strike, basically, in this field. Now, their hitting is, I believe, like 19th in the country, which is good, really good. Um, the only other team that kind of matches up top 20, top 20 in both those is UVA, but there's one team just to keep an eye on just because of pedigree, and it's still LSU. Um, they're coming on a little bit late, but it's okay. I mean, th that's one of those teams. It's kind of like Mississippi state. Once they get in, they're always there. They're always dangerous. That's one that I would keep an eye on for, but man, I don't see anybody beating Tennessee. I, I don't know how, and I'm really shocked that they're as good as they are because I didn't see, I, I saw them being good, but they're, I think they're just head and shoulders above everybody else because of those three arms. They're crazy. Well, I know LSU, I know LSU has pretty good first baseman. And then I think it's Barry, the kid that transferred from Arizona into LSU this year, because he's a high uh, draft uh, guy to keep an eye on when the major league draft comes up here. Got pretty good power bat. I think he plays a little bit of third base, can play the outfield, and can put, I think even play first base a little bit. So, yeah, yeah Jason, any any teams you're eyeing up? I'm not. I was going to actually ask about the curse of number one because I think it was Arkansas last year, right? Who came in with the number one seed and went down, uh, did not get out of the sub regional, I think, right? They went out in the first uh, weekend. Um, is who is there a team? Obviously, Tennessee looks pretty solid, but is there a higher ranked team that is maybe threatened like that? Or is there a deep, deep sleeper who might, you know, may not get to the 
um, Omaha, but might get a, a few rounds in at least to a super regional or whatever. So my team that I actually think, and it's not a number one curse, but I, I think they could struggle is I, I think Miami outside of their, their uh, closer and their, and their top pitcher. And for the life of me, I, uh, I'm drawing a blank Palmer. Um, starts with a P and I'm drawing a blank, but it, outside of him, Carson Palmquist, he's like a, like a three quarter slot guy. Uh, but outside of him, like offensively, they're, they're pedestrian. I mean, Morales has to pop, but outside of that, I mean, they're, they're a very small style play. Um, and I think the new park, you know, you really have to be able to drive those home runs because the, the park plays so deep. Like I, I think you've got to, you know, have some power and I think they lack it. And I think they lack like a, so your Friday pitcher, obviously, for the people who don't know, is your best pitcher. Saturday is your second. Sunday is your third. Uh, I, I don't think they have a Saturday and Sunday, you know, that is consistent enough to impress me in Omaha. And they're always a team, you know, they really haven't had much success in the past five years. And I think they're going to get that shock factor. Like, hey, if we do make the Omaha, I think there's going to be an early bounce. And then I think, like right now, D1 Baseball has their bracket and Coral Gambles in the regionals. Texas Tech, Miami, and Florida, and then Maine, you do not want to face a Florida team who took two or three from you earlier, and you don't want to face the Texas Tech team because they are always gritty. So, like, they may not even get out of their own regional if that still plays the same. Do I think it will? No. But I I would say that's the team that I think could have that, quote-unquote, number one curse or top eight curse. Um, That's my thought. What do you think, Nails? All right. I'll throw a team out there to keep an eye on now. It's going to be a huge – get to get out of their bracket because i'm going to assume texas state is going to be in a bracket with probably houston baptist maybe texas texas tech a bunch of teams but they actually hit the ball really well their their era is good it's not great but if they can get into a slugfest down there in the texas heat or wherever they're going to be paired up i mean just that's a team to keep an eye on they could be the long shot this year who was it last year houston baptist got into the world series was that who it was no they were just short i think they got pretty far yeah. Okay, that's that's the, that's who I think this year is going to be Texas State. Long shot was last year was probably UVA. They they really shouldn't have made it, uh, but they beat Houston Baptist to make it. Okay, yeah, Houston Baptist had a really nice team. Yeah, they're still they're still around themselves. So yeah, really good team, really good team. Well, great stuff, Q. I, I, hey, it's eating up, man. It's it, that's exciting baseball, and Q's going to be out there again. He did great work yeah. last year. Um, so we'll get some uh, good info out there. Yeah, I mean, I'll another ben we need another Ben Min sighting. You know, so they said they were going to come. Uh, we'll see if they're out there. Uh, I don't know if Marty's going to make it. You know, I met him out there. He's, he knows the stuff, you know, hit, hits a bit for him, but he knows college baseball. Brandon Walker's very intelligent. Like, I think they're really strong in college baseball. I mean, we're they're kind of pedestrian on other sports, but they, they really know, especially Carl you know, being a, a former D1 starting pitcher, um, if I can find those guys, I will absolutely reach out, you know, not only for brand recognition, but, you know, just as good guys to, to hang out with. I mean, they're pretty cool outside of uh, the cameras. Yeah, as well as pure humor with Ben Mincy there. Um, what else just, do we have here? <laughs> he is always like Bob in and, and, but Hey, that's him. You know, he, he's good at what he does. So, you know, congrats to him. I mean, he's definitely at the premier, you know, level that we're, we all try to strive for. So maybe I got to bounce and leave a little bit like him. Maybe that'll get me on the, on the, uh, the show. 
you need to take off to uh, Louisiana as much as possible when, if you can do that. I think that's a big key to that. Uh, I would love to see him in a poker table because I know he's won events. He's actually a really good poker player, and I just need to see him at the table to see if the fidgets go away, if he just, like, walks in. I'm just fascinated. I'm not at that level to go up against him, but I kind of just want to sit down and just probably – I'd probably lose a ton of hands just staring at him the entire time. But um, it, it just fascinates me that he's wired that way. The poker works and everything else doesn't seem to work. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. So with MLB, you know, the ball has not been fixed yet. <laughs> There's oh, even the, rumors. The ball, the ball has been fixed on my bets when I had the Phillies and they blow an eight-run lead. And then when I had the Chicago White Sox last night in a money line parlay, and I had, I think I'm with the Astros and they won. And I go to bed and it's eight, two in the ninth, and I wake up and I'm a loser. So the balls are doing a little better, Jason, just with my bets. Just with Buddy, my- I, I, I just want to jump off baseball real quick. This is how bad we've been, we've been grinding here at the notebook. So we all kind of like the Maple Leafs tonight. Ugh. And I don't know if you've been watching the box score or not. They had four shots the first period. You are never going to win a hockey game if you have four shots in a period. And somehow they're only down two to one now because their fifth shot. Their first oh, shot, you're ahead of me. I didn't see yeah. that yet. Good. Their first shot in the second period actually broke through and went in. So we got two to one. We got a new ball game. But, man, guys, put the puck on net. Matt, that's like the movie Bull Durham when he's like, this is an easy game. You hit the ball. You catch the ball. <laughs> it's hockey. You put a shot on goal and maybe it would go in. So good job. Let's go. I need a winner tonight. Let's go. I got another grind for you. So I got a bunch of bets out there tonight. Tonight was supposed to be the Joel Embiid show to keep him in, in the game tonight. He's back. He's going the first time in Miami. You think he's going to put up a nice, huge game. I bet over 25 points. He's shot the ball six times. You got to shoot the ball. You are their number one option. If you're not shooting the ball, forget you. No wonder you're losing by 12. You shot the ball six times. See, this could be a new thing for our show the last, like, five minutes. Just go on rants about, like, uh, our bad bets. I'll keep going on rants if you won. I can, I can go all <laughs> night. It's been a grind. I made seven bets last night. I won a total of, like, six dollars it's win one lose one win one hit a nice money line oh lose a parlay this that i'm just like i i I need a i need a break i need a cleanse i need something i need to go back to vegas and jump in the bellagio fountains well i'll say i'll say this because then i'll let jason go here you know i've been trying to do good start here with the hockey i I think i'm what am i getting four two i gotta look i mean i've been playing done okay done okay and I'll, i'll be honest with you i don't know much I know it's a sport that I don't really know. I'm looking at a couple things. I'm listening to some people. I text Jason throughout the day. I get a little bit of vibe through him and I'll go with something there. Now the NBA teasers are heating up again. Uh, had a good one last night. I uh, hit, I had the first half under in the Celtics game too. And that hits so a good night there. Baseball has been just tough. I got off to a great start. It's been cold lately. Um, everything like that, but you know, what can you do? I mean, when you're, when you're taking teams, I should have plus money in that and you go to bed and it's eight, two and you wake up and they lose 12, nine and 11 innings. They gave up 
what six well it would have been six runs i guess i think it was eight two maybe i'm it might even be worse than that so you know there there's my rant and i mean not even a not even a bad rant there but these bullpens in the phillies against the mets the week before that was another one that was a money line parlay and that would have been a good payout so it's just been bad luck so jason take it i mean i'm the stunned the mets actually might be good <laughs> that's that's probably the biggest thing like how i mean buck Showwater is a good manager now he will rub them the wrong way eventually and it, it'll probably they'll probably get one good season out of them before they come back next spring and nobody can stand him anymore but he's clearly fixed them you know they were a little chippy at the beginning of the year he kind of got them a little more focused uh kind of getting mad about you know anything just to kind of get a little fire in their belly so i'm a little shocked at that um it's kind of shaken out like we thought it was going to the good teams are kind of rising to the top. The bad teams are kind of falling down below. I don't, I don't think the reds are going to be quite this bad. I mean, there's a lot of projection stats actually showed them kind of still beating the pirates, which shocks me. Um, but it, you know, it's kind of basically going exactly like we thought there's really, I mean, is there a surprise team right now? I mean, that you can kind of say, yeah, perfect. Say we I'll, I'll fire off here. So before I give you that though, just so you know, I'm going to the pirate game tomorrow. Do you know who the starting pitchers are tomorrow? Ryan, Ryan Pepio versus Bo Sussler. Never heard of either of them. This should be a great game to go see. But I'm going to enjoy myself, a day game, get out there. Work's been a disaster this week. I'm kind of on hiatus. So, hey, yes, yeah, surprise teams. I actually think there's uh, one or two. Uh, and I actually think the Yankees are one of them. And they're going to definitely go make a move then for some guys at the, uh, before the trade deadline. They are going to jump out, and I think they might actually crush some people. They actually might be better than the Mets. And then the other surprise team, although I don't think it's a surprise, is uh, the Angels. But that's a tough division. All three teams were supposed to be good. Seattle was supposed to be good. They have came out of the gate really hitting on all cylinders. Now they've stunk. Houston's going to hang around. And then the Angels, and, I mean, they had the two big superstars in the game. So if those two can stay healthy, we might see a full year of Trout and Showtime out there. And the big winner, though, is MLB because they have the four big mark the three well actually it's just two big markets New York Yankees New York Mets killing it LA Angels LA Dodgers both killing it they're gonna they're gonna clean up LA or baseball is just loving it right now absolutely really the Brewers are the only small market that's kind of hanging around here um, yeah. but yeah I mean that's kind of the way it's been set up this year right it's just kind of like you know there's a bunch of teams that really didn't show interest in trying to compete but you know like some teams that we root for and uh the phillies have kind of been a disappointment so far they'll probably get the ship righted but it just hasn't gone um the same kind of issues have always plagued them they're a little bit weak on defense and you know the bullpen issues have been noted by smitty <laughs> but i mean that's a tough division um, so that's going to be a grinder. I don't know if the Mets can really run away in that league because with the other teams in there, like they're going to pull them back. So I think you might see four or five really good teams there. I mean, the national aren't horrible. They have talented guys. They're kind of like a stars and scrubs outfit right now. Um, but I mean, that's kind of what the angels are as well. I mean, they have the best players in the game, but then some of the other guys on the roster, you're kind of like who, and it'll be interesting to see if they can stay healthy. Cause if they can, they will be in it till the end, especially that the vision has softened up a bit. Seattle really hasn't, um, They've kind of petered out and, you know, the Astros aren't what they were. Um, so it'll be interesting. One thing the angels did right is uh, they went out and got Rysel Iglesias, who is one of the best closers in the game, but their big uh, carrier right now is actually Taylor Ward, who looks like uh, Yukon Cornelius. He's uh, 
He's a good player. I, I mean, I, I doubt he's going to keep hitting at a, what is it? He's hitting 365 right now. I don't think he's going to keep that up. But anything over 300 from your right fielder with six bombs already, man, they're, they're looking good. Trout has seven. Walsh has six. And Otani really hasn't hit yet. He's up to 252, though. So, man, they're going to get it together. Look out for the Angels. So my Arizona Diamondbacks ran of the week because I've been talking about them every week because I've been doing the little baseball stats here. They came in this week hitting as a team 193. And we keep saying how they're not bad. Well, they're 16 and 14 again. Great pitching. Matt, were you on that under last night? I was. Uh, okay, that, I was on it too. And that game. the Marlins, it was eight and a half. And they, they held they it to seven. They jumped out quick. And yeah, I was like, well, that's seven. a loser. Then you wake up and you think you should win one. And you're like, I lost that Chicago White Sox game. But, man, I, well, I know I lost that under. And then you hit the under, which is yep. just fantastic yeah 16 yeah 16 and 14 that nl west is i mean pretty good dodgers again you know really put it on the pirates tonight 11 nothing here but you know padres 1911 giants 17 12 rockies arizona at 16 but yeah arizona came in this week 193 and they're over 500 but i haven't i i went right back to the well tonight i'm playing the under again in the marlins arizona and j kim you brought it up you're not sure how the Reds are predicted to still win more games than the Pirates. They're at 64, which is pretty crazy for what, having five, six wins? Six and 23. That means uh, somebody's broke the stat out. They basically have to go 58 and like four. I forget what it was. I was like, man, that, how's this team going to pull this off? Because this, they're the perfect candidate to fire sale again at the trade deadline. Yeah, Mitch Moss on Beeson's been all over this, and that is the case. Like, this team's not going to get better. Like, it's going to get better through July, and then there's going to be some point where everybody who's not been traded away is going to get traded away. So, you know, a guy like Mustakis won't be there, and a couple other other guys who are useful bench guys, you know, not really necessarily starters on good teams, but, you know, the kind of team, kind of guys that teams add in July to get through the playoffs. So, yeah, no, I, the, it is surprising it's still at 64 because it really it's it, they almost seem destined to lose at least 100 games, if not more. And well, just so my, got- my sweats, my sweats for the year, the Mets. I got to look it up, but I had the Mets, I think, under 90 and 94 something or 90, 90 something in the Pirates, 64 and a half. What's the Pirates right now? Total. Win total, I think they're 11 and 13, maybe. No, what's for the is there a new uh-uh. updated one on? Yeah, there, there's a. I'll, I'll pull it up in a second here. Um, Matt always they, has our audience. Matt always likes to send those to me and uh, just kind of say, "Smitty, you're behind," or "Smitty, you're in good shape." Or... <laughs> well, well, yeah, that's that's part of the fun of gambling. Oh, there. absolutely! I love it. It's summer fun. I have to go to tomorrow's yeah. to see though. Um, so here's a crazy thing. So I made a bet. One of my futures was Mookie Betts to lead the league in runs. Um, so far, Mookie Betts is leading the league in runs. Oh, nice. Just need him to keep it up for another 138 games or whatever it is. So tomorrow, Smitty, we got the Pirates, Dodgers. Let's see here. They can win that series. Gotta, I, that's that's what you got to do. Got to win series here. Yeah. 
send the message that they actually are projected for 70 wins, which is well above. Uh, oh, okay. That's what I needed. Okay, great. Okay. There we go. And Davis are catching. Frost and, uh, did, so, did hit a I mean, home run tonight. They've been a little lucky. Yeah, they've been a little lucky and run scored and runs allowed, but not too much. Um, the Reds have been a little unlucky as well. The Reds are down to 67 uh, on fan graphs. So that might be supporting that 64. But like you said, when you do the math of what they actually need to do to win at the 67 at this point, it's kind of like, eh, I don't see that happening. Like 61 and 70, 459 baseball for the rest of the year, it doesn't seem capable. So, Smitty, I'll get back to you on that on, on the line because they're not breaking it down here. And just so you know, you know the Pirates got coming into town after the Dodgers? They got the Reds. Reds come in town. Yep. If you get a, if you get a, uh, it's got to be a four game series. So, I mean, if you get a three out of four there, man, you're over should be less sweaty, but still. Oh, it will be, <laughs> it will be all summer. <laughs> it will be all summer. <laughs> if they, if they drop three or four to the Reds, then you're really going to sweat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if we keep pitching on uh, Brian or whatever, Wilson or whatever his name, Bryce Wilson or Brian, whoever, Brian Wilson or one of the Wilson brothers from the Beach Boys or whatever, I don't care. It's going to be, it could be a long summer. They might, they might get to truck, uh, trot out Owen Wilson. By the oh. <laughs> Probably would have done a better job than our guy did tonight. So, all right, boys, that, I, I'm done, man. I'm good. Yeah. Show. Me too. College basketball info, man, that's great. And uh, lean into the summer, get a little college basketball info. Georgetown got another guy out of LSU tonight, I saw. Man. Well, they hired. I, I, you know, if we had more time with them, I, they hired an assistant coach from um, from that program that's brought in one or two of the guys in. So hopefully Georgetown, like I said, like Jim said, Hopefully can maybe get a couple more wins. But I thought what he said really quick about Ewing, it's nice to know because I just don't see Patrick Ewing being that great either. And Jim, Jim kind of is on that himself. So I'm not crazy. Yeah, I think we all kind of agree with that last year because it looked like they're a little more talented than the Ofer in league. But all right. Well, was time to wrap it up. Appreciate all of our listeners. You'll be able to catch our podcast. You'll find us on Twitter at Notebook Wager One. Uh, if you follow Maddie and Notebook Wager J Cam. So, um, as somebody likes to say, bang your bookie. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And be sure to follow at Notebook Wagering. Until next time.